and welcome to another Throwbacks episode of the Gen X Replay Podcast. This is Stephanie Watson, and here in Throwbacks, Frankie Hagen joins me to talk about a pop culture topic that heavily influenced us as Gen Xers. And while we center on that topic, we let the conversation flow to our broader Gen X experiences. This episode is the second half of Frankie and I tackling the big topic of how we experience the rise of the internet. If you haven't yet, go back and listen to part one so you can hear where our conversation has gone so far. Now, did you spend a lot of time in chat rooms? I did. Uh, Well, not in chat rooms so much as on messengers. So I would meet people. Um, Interesting you asked that. So, um, So I'll go back a little bit. When I left college and I had the opportunity to get a a PC of my own. I had the Juno service provider for a couple of years. And then I I switched to, yeah. yeah. And then I switched to AOL and, um, and I had a Yahoo email address after my Juno email address. I went to a Yahoo one for a while. And so I was using AOL, but I also was using a Yahoo email address. And, and uh, so I had AOL instant messenger um, but I also had uh, ICQ because ICQ was big between some people I knew in real life. So I kind of got looped into using ICQ and ICQ had its kind of version of a chat room thing where you could get together with multiple people and you can meet people uh, over ICQ. I also had the Yahoo Instant Messenger uh, because I had a Yahoo account. So I had that. And I think I had like a secondary AOL instant messenger that I used um, with my fellow Lord of the Rings fans. (laughs) So I had like two different uh, ones that I was using at the same time. And I also was connected on IRC, uh, Internet Relay Chat. That was kind of a predecessor to a lot of these things because it was created kind of as a way of having a chat room around a specific topic, a lot of times uh, for, for tech people who uh, wanted to share information online and, and talk about the technology that they were working on. IRC is still really big um, in the Linux development space for people mm. who actually do that. Less so now, I think, because there are newer technologies that have more features that people like. But IRC, you know, I it I don't I still don't think it's gonna go away anytime soon. But all of that, so I had all of that. And then I used a program called Trillion, named after Trillion from Hitchhiker's Guide, oh, to cool. connect to all of those at one time in one piece of software. So I I could actually connect and and talk on all my messenger programs at one time <laughs> through one application. It oh, was that's kinda, awesome. Yeah, it was kind of neat. I liked Trillion a lot. I used it uh, for quite a while. It's funny how certain things just, uh, you know, Peter would certainly appreciate that if he was here talking about this. Yeah. Uh, I downloaded Babelfish for the same reason. Yeah. That, on that first that was a out. really good translation program. It was, it was. really good. Yeah. And I, I have to step back just a little bit because I don't want to forget to mention that I actually programmed my first web page in 1994. Wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, 
you know, we had the Unix systems and of course, because we were, uh, you know, computer science uh, space, engineering space at NC State, we had a lot of people innovating on these newest technologies that were coming out and that included the World Wide Web and the Mosaic web browser. So the World Wide Web at that time was reaching about five years old and, and starting to become more adopted and more used. And uh, so I created my first little homepage in 1994 by, and I learned that the back end, so the browser does all the work, right? So that's yeah. the way it's designed is the browser does all the work. You have a text file, literally uh, using uh, a hypertext markup language. It's a text based file. And all I had to do is put it in a text editor and write everything that I wanted to have on the page into that. And I learned HTML through all this and I tested it in Mosaic and uh, Mosaic was my first, first web browser. And then Netscape was the second web browser because Netscape was coming out while I was in college as well. Yeah. You remember that Netscape? I remember it was always an option on the computer. Yeah. Sometimes you that if you wanted to use the Netscape. Before, you know, Internet Explorer kind of, you know, and now yeah. Internet Explorer, gosh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's it, dinosaur, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought, who would have thought it would have gone that way? Yeah, it's interesting. Internet Explorer had so much controversy because of the fact that it was installed on Windows computers by default. And yep, there was the it's always going to dominate the market because it's always installed. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's kind (laughs) of I don't know how I feel about that. Like, ethically but i'm like well it is their product and i might as well put it on their systems well, uh, and because yeah. of that too i mean the early part of the the late the latter part of the 90s and most of the early 2000s mm-hmm. if you worked in an office you used a pc yeah it was a microsoft office world all the programming mm-hmm. that existed yeah. and everything was based around internet explorer when I started as a realtor, you could only access the MLS through Internet Explorer. So you mm-hmm. were basically prevented from being a Mac person. So it was like maybe by like 2000, oh gosh, nine or 10 that that changed for us. Where mm-hmm. all of a sudden we were like wide open that we had a choice now in terms of how we wanted to do things. Wow. So, yeah, it was like, it was very locked down to specific services and Certainly, like now Google, to combat that, made so many of their documents free online for mm. using those programs. I mean, and Microsoft Office is still a powerful standard, you know, for yeah. people to work on and accomplish a lot. But yeah, it's just, just watching those shifts from who maintained and who controlled what part of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Licensing, understanding who licenses and who owns what. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell you on a regular day, I will, you know, I pay for Adobe Acrobat features on my computer that mm-hmm. I can use to move PDFs around so I don't kill more trees, but I'm sending people documents and, and getting things <laughs> signed and with document signed programs. But there are times when what I want to do 
from like a 40 page document is just find one page and then just save that one page as a PDF. And Adobe Acrobat <laughs> makes it difficult for you to do that. So what I ended up then doing is using Preview, which is a free program that's included on the computer and, mm -hmm. op and like opening the PDF with Preview and then doing the thing I wanted to do that Adobe Acrobat will not let me do. Yes, I love being able to take notes in Preview. Yeah, it's like, you know, it, it's funny. It's like, you're like, oh yeah, you can't let me do that. Well, I know the program that will let me do that. And let's just switch <laughs> over to that one yeah. in this format based on however they're set up. So those of us who've been doing it for a while, we've kind of learned those kind of things. So I find that as the way that uh, things are set up, because now, you know, we're moving more and more to a cloud-based sort of thing, mm -hmm. which I have... Uh, I, I, have, I have a variety of problems with on, on certain levels, you know, you know, that there's a part of me that, you know, we've watched, you know, we've watched our media as Gen Xers change in such a way where now, obviously, with what we've experienced in the development of our computers, we can now carry every movie and book and you know, <laughs> song with us, you know, what we have in our hand is possibly better than what they had on Star Trek for yeah, you know, yeah. For some, to, to some extent. <laughs> I mean, look at the, like, I, I remember watching, uh, I watched through the original Star Trek series and, you know, there's like a little clipboard shaped pad, but it's, it's, it's thick and you see them interact with the pad and it's like, that's an early version of a tablet, but it's actually kind of clunky compared to what we have. I know everything is so sleek and modernized mm. now. And there's this movement to turn the computers that we carry around more and more into dummy platforms and have everything just be, you know, in the cloud. And there's yeah. this part of me that resents that to some extent because I still feel like I want control of the data itself because I would hate in a very Orwellian sort of way for someone to decide that they didn't like us having a certain book anymore and they could just take yeah. it away from us. Mm -hmm. You know, there's mm -hmm. that, there's that part of it that kind of, that kind of bothers me, you know, and, and it kind of plays to ownership and people's uh, complete misunderstanding of how ownership of intellectual property works. Cause mm -hmm. it's like you buy a record and you own a song and then it's like dot, 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 in that format in that format yeah <laughs> in fact only that copy yeah, yeah exactly so it's so now we've we've uh we're we're developing things now that are going to make that even more of a thing because whereas mm -hmm. in the early days of the internet that we have grown up in there was a wild west aspect to it where you could make copies of stuff and who's gonna catch you and <laughs> You can pass this around to your friends. I mean, really, it's the Wild West. No one's going to really catch you unless you're doing something to a huge level. And now the way they're changing everything, it's, it's very much set up to the fact that, oh, we will catch you. <laughs> so don't even, don't even contemplate. We're going to look at your data. We're going to see what you've got. You know, so be very careful what you decide to do with these different formats. So it's, it's fascinating to watch that, that change happen and mm -hmm. uh, where it's all going to go for us in terms of, uh, in terms of the intellectual property aspect of it. But mm -hmm. that's, that's more of a tangent that I just went on. So 
<laughs> well, I mean, and it kind of brings us around to a good point about where we're going with the internet because, uh, and we talk about this in, in my company because we're trying to be leaders in the cloud space. Um, essentially, the cost of owning a thing is not just buying it once, but it's maintaining it or mm-hmm. um, you know, replacing it over time. Whereas if we had a uh, if we had the option to rent it for a short amount of time and then hand it back to someone, then we don't have the cost of maintaining or replacing it. So a lot of software is moving from a space of buying and installing a copy to accessing it temporarily. Uh, for as long as you need it and then letting it go again. Yep. We see this in the gaming space a lot uh, with, um, with programs like steam that allow you to access hundreds, uh, thousands of games and you can decide which ones you want to download in any given time uh, to play. And then when you're done with it, you just take it off of your computer. You've already bought it. So you can download it again if you want to play it. Oh yeah. but you don't have to keep it there, you know? So it's like, if you want the hard copy, then that is surely an aesthetic choice. You know? Yeah, yeah. Just, just how now vinyl is a thing with the millennials, mm-hmm. you know, just for having it, you know, for the yeah. art of what it is. And I think we'll see more and more of that. I, kn- I know as Gen Xers get old, they we, we tend to seek out certain things from our youth that are still, you know, and yeah. And harder copies. I uh, there's a guy I know who refurbishes uh, first and second generation iPods mm-hmm. so that people can just carry massive amounts of music around on them mm-hmm. and and use them in a way that you can't really use the newer the newer iPods just because they're actually mm-hmm. set up to to be able to hold massive storage in ways yeah. like like an external hard drive. And I just think it's fascinating what people are doing or. <laughs> You know, I, uh, I, I have a colleague who uh, he takes old vintage luggage and turns it into speakers. Oh, that sounds amazing. You know, that he's, he's been reworking with different pieces. And oh, uh, that. there's a guy I met uh, in Florida who buys old Atari cartridges, resets them, refixes them has the memory card for almost all of them and he can regenerate it. And so he's been basically rebuilding classic Atari cartridges and he has this whole little cottage industry for people who want not one of those systems that has like, you know, 80 of the games like preloaded yeah. into it or whatever, who mm-hmm. want the actual thing. Mm-hmm. He's doing it for people, you know, and because uh... it's not that hard for him to do it. There's a tactile thing about it, you know, grabbing the cartridge and sticking it in. Yeah, that's yeah, right. It's kind of it's like us talking about certain aspects of a dial-up modem mm-hmm. are the equivalent of your grandma with her phone in the kitchen with <laughs> a super long phone cord yes. that she can walk everywhere with that you can get clotheslined by if you're like running through the house as a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very like you're a young Gen Xer experiencing that if you've got a greatest generation grandparent for sure, or even like, plenty of boomer parents had that too. 
but it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's it's very much of that time and it's just like us having to hear that discordant noise of a dial-up connection oh god yes like <laughs> yeah you hear it and it just brings back memories i mean it's a, a very distinct sound and you know faxes connect in that same way so if you hear if you actually hear the signal that a fax machine traditionally used on on telephone lines it's that same kind of data packet sound it is and what's funny are all the movies that completely misrepresent what a computer could do from that time so it still blow my mind you know like uh I remember watching War Games as a child, which is a great movie, but thinking, oh, yeah, computers don't really work that way, dude. <laughs> you know, or, or uh, the movie Hackers, which their interpretation of like how computers works makes absolutely no sense. No. <laughs> In terms I, of there that. used to be a lot of jokes about quotes from that film that, that people would make fun of the quotes or screenshots from that film. Yeah, they're so uh, uninformed in terms of uh, process. But mm-hmm. it, what's even better is uh, is uh, when you catch in a sci-fi series where someone references storage and they'll say something in terms of bytes or whatever, and it's it's kind of hysterical what they're yeah. referencing. You know, like that you're like, oh, like if you only knew how completely off you were. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. Remember um, in Austin Powers when uh, the quote about wanting to ransom someone for one million dollars. And they laugh at him. It's like, that's not a lot. It's not a lot of money now, comparatively speaking. And, uh, and, um, and I kept thinking to myself, wow, that's, um, that, that's how our tech conversations go, you know? Uh, my first PC that I had uh, had I, I wanted lots of storage space on the PC, so I bought one of the the ones that had a larger hard drive when I bought it. It was an IBM uh, PC, and it had a three gigabyte hard drive. And I thought I could have storage forever. I have three gigabytes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it is you get that first thing, and you were like, "I am Star Trek right now. I am so tech, you know." <laughs> and then not even knowing what was getting ready to happen and where that was all going to go, it's just so amazing, you know. And just and what we've actually seen and what we probably will still see before it's over with for our generation. I never thought that all these different businesses that we went to as children would now be part of our internet experience as well. You know, we've talked about Blockbuster previously, Mm -hmm. but all the streaming services that are available, Yeah, you know, like for us to see whatever films and uh, what have you. I mean, it comes in through the TV sets, but there's still, it's all very internet based Mm -hmm. or for what we're looking at. And like what you were talking about, just with the video game industry alone, short of finding some of these emulators and things that are out there that are online. But to me, the ability to uh share ourselves to the level that we have now and like i like i wanted to recap what i had said earlier on to go back and look at something like a geocities web page mm-hmm. where you know someone has made a page for their dog that passed <laughs> away or something and they've got like a little candle you know uh on there for remembering and they've got like notes and they've kind of got their story for what it is 
you know, it is simplistic honesty of someone creating something mm-hmm. as opposed to now the window dressings that we've created for our internet experience in terms of how we want to perceive each other. Yeah. Or even with uh, as, as uh, difficult as our world has been in the last year, uh, politically back and forth, how people will ramp things to a fever pitch. Mm-hmm. Just we have constant information that is, uh, that is put in front of us. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's easy to want to think for a time when we had less information. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's true. Um, you know, a lot of uh, I've, I've actually heard people talk about the fact that, you know, it's it's both good and bad that we have such quick access to information because now we don't stop to try to memorize some important detail. We put it you know we're like oh well i'll look it up in the website and i think now about how many phone numbers of my friends do i actually know oh right yeah i was getting ready oh. to say exactly the same thing like what was the I, last i used to know all my friends phone numbers in my head or i had it written down on a little paper and and i was using the number when i called them and i don't have to do that now I don't even have to remember their email addresses. They're in my contacts list. So I open up to write an email and I start typing a name and they pop in there. So, yeah. 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 I mean, this is something you dial all the time. Like I was trying to remember like historically, which ones I still remember. And it's probably like my grandparents number, my own home number, you know, very little, very Mm -hmm. little stands out. You would have that one best friend that you just knew their number by heart that you would call. Mm-hmm. And then because we do have access to so much information, it's so easy to have access to disinformation. Yeah. Um, and Wikipedia, um, the, the movement that Wikipedia is associated with is crowdsourcing. Uh, this idea that instead of getting one expert to write down all the information and curate it and make sure it's up to date, we get everybody to do it. And somewhere in the midst of getting everyone's input, we get a truth in it, you know, because everyone's bringing their information to the table. And then we get to the idea that is the truth in the middle. So Wikipedia, uh, when I was actually writing articles and having to use references, I wasn't allowed to use Wikipedia as a reference because it's considered crowdsourcing and not an official source for things. But we go to it all the time because it has so much great information in it that people have put together. So, you know, we have to think, we still have to start rethinking what is the source of information? You know, is it each other? Or are we still looking to certain official resources? Um, And who are the official resources anymore? You know, the internet has blurred a lot of lines. Mm -hmm. It's not as simple as that guy just telling us that we've got mail. (laughs) Yeah. Or going to the set of encyclopedias. Well, what's funny is a lot of this encyclopedias now have a lot of apocryphal information that's been reworked. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. And that was factual, definite, but science that's been disproven, historical Mm -hmm. information that's been adjusted because... We found out more information. Yeah, always. 
So. And we get instant results of stuff. I mean, I can't even think, you know, there was, uh, and I don't want to get political, certainly, but the, the phenomenon of the 2020 election for president in the U.S., you know, is a, is a testament to how used to we are of having information quickly. Um, because, you know, having to wait for a result actually is normal you know, under, under the fact that in an election, you would count votes until all votes were counted. Election day was when the voting stopped, but not necessarily when the counting stopped. All the absentees had to be counted and so on and so forth. But, and, and that was, you know, if you talk to someone from a century ago or two centuries ago and told them that they could have their election results the same day, in a lot of cases, it would blow their mind yeah. because, you know, we just didn't have the kind of technology that would allow for that. And now that we do have that technology, the idea that we'd have to wait three or four days to have a result is mind blowing to us now because of all the tech that we have. Just in our own lifetime. I mean, from, you know, phone calls to... Yeah getting the email, getting it so quickly to, you oh, know, yeah. thinking of people historically who you wrote a letter and then maybe you found out what happened two months later. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy, but you know, it not does, knowing that a loved one had died until several weeks later. Yeah. That was uh, actually one of the original reasons for home delivery from the post office was letting mm -hmm. people know about deaths from the war. So they wouldn't have to go to the post office to find out. You know, so that people would have privacy, you know, in that <laughs> right? That was one of the, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where a lot of the stuff that we experienced early on in the internet is being removed from the internet or it is being archived in very specific sources or torrents now. So, mm -hmm. you know, I used to tell people like, well, when it's on the internet, it's there forever. But the answer is, not really not, not really exactly you know the things that you put up there they, they don't really last forever because servers will be taken down at some point in time mm -hmm. if, yeah. if what you have represents something from a time frame then you know like all the old geocities pages a lot of them not all of them but a lot of them are cataloged and like i said archived mm -hmm. and there's a at one point in time, the, it was the largest torrent you could download was GeoCities. Mm -hmm. You could, I mean, and of course, a lot of it was probably silly things like New Kids on the Block web pages and, <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. stuff like yep. that. But, uh, but, you know, it's all, you know, like, that's it. You know, maybe you're lucky and you get some sort of archive and it moves on, but, you know, it's curious to wonder what format something like Facebook or Instagram will take on, you know, <laughs> yeah. at a later time. And, how and I have it. to, if, if anyone is interested, I'm going to drop this one into the description. Uh, if they've not heard of archive.org, archive.org has the internet archive Wayback machine and the Wayback machine allows you to put in any web address and any point in its history, and it will generate what the website looked like at that point in history. Wow. Uh, uh, now, if some of the assets that the page had to pull is not available, then it may be missing images or whatever. 
but the text information would still be there and some of the rough layout is usually there as well so um the actual markup language has has evolved over the last two decades but some of the core parts of that markup language are still the same so a lot of times the the page will look almost identical to what you saw 10 years ago <laughs> and i'm like whoa it's kind of mind-blowing <laughs> wow it's time travel yeah but yeah definitely check out archive.org for a, for some fun way back stuff <laughs> Dang, I don't know where to go from here because there's just so much we could talk yeah, about. I was, like, I was like, how do we put a pin in that? Like, right now? <laughs> Is there anything we forgot to talk about at this point? Wow, there's just, just God, it's so broad. Yeah. The way we use it has changed. You know, how big a part of life it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for me, it started as entertainment and then it became social um, and then it became information and then it became an essential core part of what i do as a job so it kind of that was the evolution for me oh yeah and, that, and gaming like go circles right back to the entertainment space so i it, when my internet is out i don't know what i'm going to do because so much of what i do uh, from the beginning to end of the day uh has some connection to the internet yeah, you know, I, it removed a lot of the tactile things that I would normally do, like reading books or, yeah. you know, like flipping through magazines or when I used to love gaming stuff, because now I'm more likely to, uh, to feed the, the attention deficit disorder part of my brain <laughs> by just flipping through Instagram and Facebook and Twitter mm -hmm. and like, you know, kind of making a circle of those social media things when I'm bored. Yeah. And uh, just to get that you know, serotonin blast that's mm -hmm. going home from that, you know, you know, and, and the question is, did this stop a lot of natural creativity on our part mm -hmm. that we would have been doing otherwise, you know, as opposed to just participating or putting ourselves out there in these uh, created uh, entertainment type of uh, formats for other people to look at? You know, so that's the, that's the question because it's made all of us stars to some extent. We all have followers. We all uh, react to that in terms of how we want to be perceived and curated. Mm -hmm. And now uh, it's created uh, what we would think of as trolls and call out culture, you know, people who yeah. will immediately burn somebody down for an opinion Right, right. You know, like, and whereas the backlash of that when it comes has got to be, it's, it's going to, it's going to be vicious. Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel the backlash on that is going to be vicious when it, because yep. it's, it's due. But, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think all of those things. Uh, now you have a lot of people who are trying to find specific points in time where they're, you know, unplugging, where they're removing themselves from everything else, just yeah. so they can have a more natural perceptive uh, experience similar to what we did when we were younger, you know, getting, uh, getting attracted because, you know, early internet, we have all these, especially as someone like yourself or me, where, where we have these sci-fi ideas of what this is going to be for our life, mm -hmm. you know, and then it just becomes a part of our very existence in terms yeah. of a tool that we have to use. Yeah, Gen X may be the last generation that remembers 
Well, even if you don't have a fresh memory of it, you have an idea of what you did in your life when you were unplugged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that our millennial counterparts have a good concept of, uh, what life is like unplugged. Um, I think it plays out in politics and it plays out in, uh, social interaction where mm -hmm. I see a lot of the coming generations, they get frustrated very quickly when they don't get the answer they want. Yeah. And when the information isn't given to them that they need and they mm -hmm. want to see and solved very quickly. We're like, I've said before, you know, part of our generation was this Indiana Jones like hunt for the thing you wanted. Yeah. You know, I mean, and getting the thing was so much more meaningful when you had to like climb through whatever it was you had to climb through to get it, you know? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> now, I mean, eBay, Amazon, if you want it and you got the money, it's there. Yeah. Yeah there you can buy it today if you've got the money for it you know mm -hmm. end of story end of end of the search you know so even old stuff you get you know, everything's yeah. on ebay these days it doesn't matter it can it, it it can be purchased if you've got the money but yeah. you know so because uh it's like it's like some people say that the buddhist idea that it's not the destination it's the journey right you know and so a lot of us have to figure out ways that we're still appreciating our journeys. Yeah. And I think, I think balance is key. Um, and I did want to say, you know, in terms of disconnecting what we see more, uh, a little bit from our generation as well as millennials, almost kind of in a, in combination is finding a routine of disconnecting, you know, um, making it part of what we do. I, you know, I've been in burner circles, like associated with Burning Man. I haven't been to Burning Man, but I've been to regional events similar to Burning Man, where essentially you are disconnecting at that point uh, for a series of days. And, uh, you know, it's, you're camping and <laughs> you're semi roughing it, you know, different levels oh. of roughing it, depending on who you are and connecting with people uh connecting with the nature around you and uh letting creativity be the centerpiece uh of everything and you know even though we use the internet to connect and buy tickets and all that once we're there you know we're turning the phone off and putting it in a secure place until until the event's over so yeah and uh you know being able to capture that in kind of smaller chunks throughout the year just really kind of keeps the spirit active, I think. Yeah. Have fun editing this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to end it there. We have uh, certainly talked about so much stuff. And, uh, you know, I might have to make this a two-parter because we did go a little long. Uh, but, you know, I it, it's certainly a topic that has a lot of subtopics that we can really dive into at some point. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, thanks, Frankie. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for tuning in to these last two Throwbacks episodes covering the internet. You can follow Frankie between shows at Dance Frankie H on Twitter 
as Frankie Hagen on Facebook and at his dance instructor or real estate websites, dancefrankie.com and frankiehagen.com. You can follow me between shows at Stephanie Does VO on Twitter and Instagram. In the description for this episode, I'll include this info and lots of other fun links about the topics we've mentioned. Subscribe and follow us at Gen X Replay on Twitter so you don't miss our next throwbacks and other fun podcast episodes. And help us boost the signal on this podcast by sharing it with others. Until next episode, be safe out there. Music